Hey guys, it's Austin, and this is the very first podcast that I'm doing. And basically, I'm going to be doing these every Sunday, and I'm just going to be talking about what's going on in the tech world, uh, like technology news, things like that. I have a bunch of articles lined up to talk about. And keep in mind, this is the first time I've ever done this podcast, so I don't know if I have too many articles or not enough articles and how I'm going to do this. So this is the very first podcast. And if you guys want to know any more information about anything that I talk about, you can go to austingarner.com backslash source, S-O-U-R-C-E, and get all of the news articles that I'm talking about, the links to them in this podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and start things out with a podcast or a link from The Verge. All of these articles are from The Verge just because that's a really easy place to get news articles. And the title is The World's Best Dota 2 Players Just Got Destroyed by a Killer AI from Elon Musk's Startup. So if you guys don't know who Elon Musk is, he's the CEO of Tesla and like a bunch of other companies. Um, And he's super big into like investing in AI and stuff like that. Dota 2 is just a free to play computer game. And basically what happened is the champion Dota 2 players got beat by an AI, an automated player, that's not even a real person, that Elon Musk uh, invested money into. So it was a 1v1 match and the bot ended up winning. Um, So that's pretty cool. I also have another article related to the same thing, and it's called DeepMind and Blizzard. So those are just two game companies release new tools to train AI using StarCraft. So StarCraft is one of those games. And the way this bot works is it just watches how these players play these games. It'll watch how different players play the game and it will learn off that and progressively, hopefully get better and better, um, which I think is cool. This technology, I think, uh, is cool for the future of AI. And also it should make bots and games a lot better which is always a good thing because they kind of suck right now. Uh, Microsoft, um, they started teasing what they're calling a fundamental change to Xbox achievements. So Xbox achievements have been around for over 10 years now, um, ever since the Xbox 360. That was the first time they came around. And ever since then, uh, it's just been measured in a gamer score, which is just a number um, with how many achievements you've got. It's like a point system, I guess is how you can think of it. And um, they haven't really said much about what they're going to be doing differently yet. But uh, right now, they say that they're going to be just doing something a little bit different than gamer score and something that will better represent how players have, uh, like how much progress and how much work they've put into their games. I really don't care about... Um, like achievements in my gamer score on my xbox but if you do it's cool that they're going to be trying to um get give you a little bit more that's just word for word what they're saying uh another thing with xbox is uh with the with the new update anyone can now test the new xbox one feature updates so it used to be where you could sign up and you could um you could sign up to the xbox insider feedback group and you would be able to test a version of like xbox software a little bit before its release but now they're categorizing this into like three or four different groups and basically the further up you are in these groups the earlier software you'll get and the earlier before release that you'll get that software if that makes sense 
So it's starting off with ring, f- or I'm sorry, it's starting off with uh, a new thing called Omega Ring, which is the default. So if you sign up right now, you would get into the Omega Ring, um, and you'll get a preview of a new dashboard update just before it's available, which is what we've had before. But if you give enough feedback to Microsoft on these updates, then you'll be progressed to the Delta Ring. And the Delta Ring will just receive builds a little bit earlier than people in the Omega Ring. And if you're in the Delta Ring and you give enough feedback and you have been super active for like three months, then uh, you'll get into the Beta Ring and you'll get into that ring for free and you go from there. Um, And you'll just get the same thing. You'll get more updates and you'll be able to access those updates earlier so if you're somebody who's super into beta testing like software and things like that um that should be pretty cool for you some more news of microsoft xbox live creators program launches today um with self-published indie games so back when the xbox 360 was the thing before the xbox one came out there was a whole section dedicated to indie games and they were actually pretty cool fairly inexpensive games i was super into them um, but since then, you've had to do a different pro. There's no like indie section in the Xbox store anymore. You've just had to register your game like a regular game through something called the Idea Xbox program. But now there's going to be a new indie section. You don't have to get your idea or anything approved by Microsoft. You can just submit your game um, and get it in the indie section on the store. The, the drawback to this is that creator creators collection games won't get access to achievements, gamer store, or Xbox Live multiplayer. So if you do want any of those features, you'll have to go to the idea Xbox program, which is what they've been doing before. Um, but if you don't really care about achievements, gamer score, or Xbox Live multiplayer functionality, then I think this is pretty cool for you. And you can do this uh, not only just it's the Xbox store, so it doesn't have to be just Xbox one. You can also make ports for Windows 10 PCs too, and get your game downloaded on Windows 10 PCs and the Xbox one, which I think is really cool. It makes me want to design a game. I've been trying to learn for a little bit now, just every once in a while I've messed around with software. And so I think now that this is a thing, I might put some more work into a game for a phone or Xbox, whatever, who knows? Next up, do you guys remember the Moto X from 2015? That was the last time we saw a Moto X. But there's a purportedly a new Moto X with a glass back, dual cameras, and mid-range specs. There's some images of it on the article, so if you want to see the image, make sure to go to that website. Again, austingarner.com backslash source, and you can see the photos of this phone. And so the source says we can expect a 5.2-inch full HD, so 1080p display, a Snapdragon 630 processor, 3GB of RAM and 32GB of storage in one mono which is like region specific, or 4GB of RAM and 64GB of storage in a different region's model, front fingerprint sensor, a 16 megapixel front facing camera that can shoot 4K video which seems pretty cool, and dual rear facing and cameras with a 12 megapixel sensor with dual autofocus and an 8 megapixel ultra wide sensor so a wide angle lens like what we have on the LG G6 and a 3000 milliamp hour battery available in black and blue colors which both look really cool in these images and those are some really good specs we don't know the price point of the phone I'm assuming it'll be a mid-range phone based on the Snapdragon 630 processor and the amount of RAM but I'm excited to see what that camera system is able to do Um, And I think it'll overall be a really good phone. Now, speaking of the ultra-wide camera on the LG G6, LG's V30 
will be the first phone with an f 1.6 lens which is crazy so f 1.6 for those of you who aren't familiar is the aperture which is how much light is let in through the camera lens and right now the lowest uh, aperture on a phone was f 1.7 i believe on the galaxy s7 uh, right now the iphone 7 has an f 1.8 um, but f 1.6 would be crazy low so that basically means a lot more light will be let into the lens and you can get a lot more of that blurred background effect if you guys are into that and this article also says that it will have a really nice glass lens so the LG V30 will be more focused on photography um, and I think that'll be really cool it's apparently going to be a dual camera setup but now over to some iPhone news there's an article titled, I hope the next iPhone actually comes in this ugly pinkish bronze. And if you haven't seen the image, you can go ahead and check it out on my website. But uh, basically, right after I released my iPhone 8 video, I saw this article about a color of the iPhone 8 that's a, what's looks like bronze. It's called copper bronze or copper gold. That's what people are calling it. Um, and it's unclear if this is actually a new color or if it's just a really weird version of like rose gold or something like that. The article is claiming that we're only gonna see three different colors uh, of the iPhone this year. So maybe we're not gonna have a rose gold. It doesn't say what three colors we'll have, it just says only three versus the uh, five that we have right now plus a possibility of product red. So who knows, that just makes me even more excited to see when the iPhone 8 is announced. I'm hoping that's in September, um, but we obviously don't know 100% yet. But some more iPhone news, the new iPhone, the iPhone 8, 7S, whatever they end up calling it, could have a resizable home button and facial recognition for payments. This is more stuff that was leaked from the HomePods firmware. A HomePod, if you guys don't know, it's Apple's uh, speaker, kind of like the Amazon Echo or Google Home, and it runs a version of iOS apparently. And the firmware from it was leaked, and with that, images and stuff of the iPhone, the next iPhone, were all leaked with that. And apparently in the software, there's references to Pearl ID, which is Apple's code name for its facial recognition system. That's what we assume. And it will be able to store multiple faces and those will be accessible by third party apps. There's also some stuff in here about two step biometric authentication. So if there's touch ID, maybe you could have facial recognition and fingerprint identification to use things like Apple Pay or any other third-party app if you just want that two-step security. Um, and we're also supposed to have um, facial recognition on both the front and rear camera. I don't know why you'd want it on the rear camera, but it could be helpful. But more importantly than that, since we will most likely have a virtual home button with this iPhone, uh, some stuff in the software is alluding us to thinking that it can be uh, resized, which I think would be cool if you want a bigger home button or a smaller home button. Because uh, right now, I think the home button on my phone is a perfect size, but I've heard people say they'd like a bigger home button, or maybe some people uh, want it really small. I don't know, but uh, I just think it's cool that Apple's giving us more customizability. It's been taking them a while to do that. Androids have had this customizability thing for a while now, and it's really cool to see Apple put some customizability into their iPhones. Getting to the end of the news for this podcast, Samsung's next fitness watch is probably coming this month. And so the cool thing about this, uh, there's a photo of it and it looks like the Samsung Gear Sport is what it will be called. We don't know for sure if it's just going to be a fitness tracker or if it's going to be a smartwatch or it's going to be both. It'll probably be a smartwatch with an emphasis on fitness tracking. Uh, it will support Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and probably run Tizen. 
and like Apple, it's focusing, like with Apple, what they do with the Apple Watch is more focused on fitness, which I think was really cool because the last gear smartwatches, uh, you could do some fitness stuff with them, but you, because of like how it was designed and stuff, you wouldn't really want to, and they didn't really put an emphasis or anything like that on fitness. So that'll be pretty cool. And last but not least, Microsoft reveals new Windows 10 Workstation Edition for power users. And the cool thing about this, this will support a ton of new things. Uh, Microsoft has been um, teasing this for a little bit, but they officially unveiled Windows 10 Pro for workstations today. Um, it was originally rumored back in June, but now it's out. And there's four major changes to this version of Windows versus other ones to help it better support high-end PC hardware. So one thing is the resilient file system, or REFS for short, will be enabled by default, which provides more resilience against data corruption and optimization for handling large data volumes and auto-correction. And it will also include support for non-volatile memory modules, which in short is NVDIMM-N, I don't know who would call it that. Um, with persistent memory and this means that read and write speeds will be super super fast like as fast as possible with memory and even if you power off your computer your files will still be there even if the workstation is switched off we're also going to have faster file support in windows 10 pro for workstations utilizing smb direct um microsoft is also supporting remote direct memory access capability so that network adapters can operate at a low latency without much cpu usage um, which should increase throughput for file transfers across high-speed networks. So if you, say, store all your stuff on a server and you're using super fast internet to get it, this should um, improve the file transfers across that. And last but not least, Microsoft is expanding its hardware support in Windows 10 Pro for workstations. So server-grade Intel Xeon or AMD Opteron processors will be supported with up to four physical CPUs, six terabytes of RAM, which is super crazy. Windows 10 Pro is currently limited to two physical CPUs and up to two terabytes of RAM. So this edition of Windows is clearly targeted towards high performance configurations. That's crazy, six terabytes of RAM and four CPUs. I'd love to see somebody build a computer like that. That would be absolutely insane, but absolutely expensive too. And it will be available alongside the Windows 10 Fall Creators update later this year. So that is all I have for this podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I wish I had a little bit more news to talk about in this podcast, but like I said, this is the first time I've done one and I didn't know if this would be too much news or too little news. So I will make sure next week, next Sunday that I have more news to talk about. And if you guys, like I said, want to know any more information about anything I talked about in this podcast, just go to austingarner.com backslash source. And on my website, you can also find my YouTube channel, my Twitter, all my social networks. Go ahead and follow me on there. This podcast, I'm working on getting it available on more than just Anchor, so you can find it on SoundCloud. I'm working on getting it on iTunes and things like that. But regardless, thanks again for tuning in, and I will see you guys next Sunday. Tweet me if you guys want to see, or just let me know on any of my social networks if there's anything you guys want me to talk about in next week's podcast. Anyways, see you guys later.